back to the Coffee and Bible Time podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. Before we get started, a word from our sponsor. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we're going to be talking about overcoming distractions to live a life of purpose and fulfillment. You know, we've said it here before, and I'm sure we'll say it here again. We are distracted, so distracted that it often affects our lives in very unhealthy and sometimes downright harmful ways. And distraction certainly takes our focus off of the things that truly matter in life. Well, our guest today, Joshua Becker, author of the book, Things That Matter, Overcoming Distractions to Pursue a More Meaningful Life, is here to help redirect our attention back to some of the things that do matter, such as a meaningful life, living with few regrets, and making a positive difference in the world. Joshua will help us identify obstacles that may be keeping us from living intentionally and provide ideas to let go of some of those distractions. Joshua Becker is the author of Things That Matter. He is also the best-selling author of The More of Less, The Minimalist Home, and founder of Becoming Minimalist, a website dedicated to inspiring others to find more life by owning less. The website welcomes over 1.5 million readers each month and has inspired millions around the world to consider the practical benefits of owning fewer possessions. He is also the creator of Simplify Magazine and founder of The Hope Effect, a nonprofit organization changing how the world cares for orphans. Joshua is a contributing writer to Forbes, and he has appeared in dozens of media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, CBS Evening News, Los Angeles Times, and the Drew Barrymore Show. He and his family live near Phoenix, Arizona. Please welcome Joshua. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you here, and you can add one more subscriber to your email <laughs> list because I went in there, and I'm so excited to get all of your tips regularly. Well, Joshua, I'd like to start with sharing with our listeners a quote that I took from your book. You say, my faith upbringing primed me for thinking about priorities and pursuing the important things in life. It caused me to focus on issues of what matters for eternity and what does not. Then as a young man, I became a pastor and spent my time helping others find their way in life through biblical teaching. So tell us how this amazing background of yours influenced your writing of the book, Things That Matter. Yeah, writing Things That Matter was, a, um, was an interesting journey for me, one that I, uh, one that I didn't expect um, in that it gets into a lot of worldview 
topics. Um, why do I view work the way that I view it? Why do I view money the way that I do it? Um, fear, uh, even the whole idea of what things matter in life. And um, in writing the book, I was really forced to go back and think of like, when were my thoughts formed on some of these issues? Uh, sometimes it was just one conversation that I had with somebody. Sometimes it was a book that I read that led to the current thinking that I have. Um, but a lot of times it was just the the home that I grew up in, the the grandparents that I had, mm -hmm. and uh, certainly my my Christian faith, my uh, view of the world. Um, in 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 very simplistic terms, just that there is more to this life than the things that we see around us. If uh, if all there is in our existence is the physical world, then I should live in a way that accumulates as much of the physical world as I possibly can. Um, but if there's a, a thinking that hey, there's, there's more to life than this world. There's something even greater that I can be chasing and pursuing than the physical world around me. Um, certainly that is what I believe to be true. And uh, certainly my, my faith, uh, my understanding of who God is and, and who he created us to be was a, uh, a pretty significant factor in that, uh, in that thinking and worldview. And it really is uh, it's interesting. I uh, the book isn't written for uh, for Christian audiences, and so um, uh, although everything is, I, I think, biblical in its foundation, um, it's just not presented in that way. And so, um, yeah, even to even to ma make that type of statement or have that realization that you know, in a lot of ways, my my faith expands what uh, what I see to be true and and what things actually do matter in the long run and for eternity. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I love the story in your book about how your grandfather poured into you and just how he had such an influence in your life and you dedicated the book to him. He must have uh, sounded like a very godly man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of the... Uh, a lot of thoughts went back to uh, went back to my grandpa on my on my mom's side, but even my grandpa on my uh, on my father's side. But because um, you I, you know I, I look at who my parents were and the type of home that my parents created for me and what they taught me, and then I could go up a generation and see well they learned that from from their parents. Um, and uh, so yeah, certainly my my grandfather had a a big role in the book. Well, in the book, you highlight eight common distractions to a meaningful and no regrets life. Can you share with us maybe briefly some of those? Yeah, the, uh, the, the book is called Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life. And I think when most people hear the title, they think to themselves, I need to read that book because I need help putting my phone away at night, or I need to turn off social media. And um, technology certainly is a distraction that keeps us from a, a meaningful life in a, in a very significant way, and that's a, a chapter in the book. But um, when most people start reading the book, they, they discover 
okay, he's he's talking about things more than just putting my putting my phone away. He's talking about very heart level, uh, soul level, uh, soul level things. There, uh, so there's eight distractions that uh, that I go through in the book. Um, fear, uh, the distraction of fear that keeps us from meaning. The distraction of regret, uh, past mistakes, uh, selfish pursuit of happiness, uh, money, possessions accolades, leisure, technology. I, th- I think those are the, the eight that um, I talk about in the book. So much deeper, much deeper stuff than, you know, when you start talking about fear and uh, past mistakes in your life. But it's true, right? Like it's it's true how, mm-hmm. how those things can become a distraction. Yeah, they sure can. And I found that as I was going through them, I was a little too quick to think, oh, I just wish so-and-so could maybe read this book. And then I had to take a step back and say, no, Ellen, you need this book. You need to think about what are the distractions that are affecting your life. And so I think your your book does a great job doing that. Well, Joshua, you had a national survey commissioned regarding people's experiences with these areas of life that you explore, what were some of the most interesting results that you discovered? Uh, yeah, it was interesting. We uh, we we did the survey um, for uh, for a couple of different reasons. I I wanted to like I knew I knew what tripped me up over and over again. Like I knew what distractions um, were were big for me. Uh, I could talk to other people and and hear some of their distractions, but I think getting uh, not just anecdotal stories, but like, okay, this is really what's going on in a, a broader um, swath of the uh, of the people. Number one helped, I think, helped write the book better, um, uh, shape the book better. It it even gave me some more confidence, I think, in writing it, especially on on some of these issues. Uh, some of the things that pop into mind, 77% of people uh, say that they are distracted from things that matter. Uh, like, I think 80% of people said that they had identified a purpose for their life, um, but 77% of people said that they were living in a way that uh, didn't allow them to to focus their lives wholly on that purpose, which... Um, you know, if three fourths of the population uh, needs to read your book, that's a those should be some pretty good sales numbers, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it uh, you know certainly helped me realize that this wasn't this wasn't just a me issue. Like this is like three fourths of Americans are are struggling with why can't I focus more of my life on the things that I would say uh, are most important to me. Um, some of the the fascinating statistics. Well, one of the fascinating statistics was eighty percent of Americans say that they they'll be happier if they have more money, uh, which um, wasn't surprising, but it was it was confirming to me uh, a little bit. I always, I, I kind of wonder how, um, how a belief that I'll be happier if I have more money and I want to be a generous person with my money can coexist in the same mind because they they can't like if if i'm going to be happier with more money but i also want to give money away like you just constantly uh butt into those into those two thoughts um 
And typically, I think for most people, the having more money will improve my life is the the thinking that we that we fall into. Um, the uh, I just mentioned this briefly, but uh, the most heartbreaking uh, the most heartbreaking statistic that we discovered in the survey is sixty two percent of people said that they are held back from the life they want to be living because of a mistake they committed in the past. Um, and 56% of people say that they are held back from the life they want because of a mistake that was committed against them in the past. Um, and I always hesitate even to use the word mistake because sometimes it's downright evil, uh, what, what might've been done, um, to someone, but to think that 62% say they can't live the life that they want because of something they did and 56% say they can't live the life they want because of something that was done to them. Certainly there's some overlap between those two numbers, but and that is a lot of people. Uh, that is a lot of potential. Um, mm -hmm. That's a lot of people thinking that they can't attain the life they want um, uh, because of their past in one way yeah. or another. Oh, that's, that is very heart wrenching. Well, how would you encourage someone who feels held back by these past mistakes, if you will? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, no easy answers here. And it, it certainly, uh, certainly depends a, a lot on, on what they're, what they're looking back on. Um, certainly in, in Christ, I think we have, um, you know, we have an opportunity to overcome uh, some of our own uh, mistakes and, and sins and kind of walking in that forgiveness and, and walking in that redemption and walking in that victory that, that Christ offers us. That's certainly an aspect of it. Um, but um, I, I think it, if I were to give like the one like the one foundational truth uh, that regardless of what it is uh, committed against us or something we've done, whether it's reoccurring or a one time, like at some point we, we need to turn and face it. I think that's where I, where I ended the book at, like um, whatever that looks like, we can't, we can't go through life um, or we shouldn't go through life thinking I can never attain the life I want because of that thing. Uh, like at some point we, we turn and we face the problem. Um, good leaders run towards problems. Uh, someone once told me and like we turn and face it. We, we acknowledge it. We, we ask for help. If, you know, we ask close friends for help. If we, if we need professional help, then we, uh, we look for that and we, we accept that. And, um, but I think to keep, just to keep it in the background and, and to think that's always going to haunt me for the rest of my life. And I, and I can never overcome it. Um, and it's always going to be who I am. I think that's when we get to the end of our lives and regret that we didn't put in the work, um, whatever that might look like, um, based on your situation. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. And I think that's why this book, I think, is going to be so helpful to people to encourage them, just like you said, that if you are struggling with something like this, it doesn't have to hold you back. And that should be very exciting and freeing for some people. Yeah. Well, Joshua, you've had such an interesting um, career path, so to speak. Tell us about your your transition into full-time blogging and how did you overcome your own fear of failure during that time? Yeah, uh, I, I I I share the story a little bit in the in the chapter on fear, and yeah, I like I recognize myself in in all these chapters, just like you mentioned. <laughs> you know, like yeah, uh, the more you think about it, the more you're like, you know what, that is probably something that I need to think about and um, and and work to overcome in life. But I was. Um, I was a pastor for 15 years, um, and then I, I started the blog, Becoming Minimalist, and um, about three or four years into blogging, it, it grew it grew rapidly, um, and it got to the point where uh, I always say I, I couldn't do both well, like I couldn't pastor well, and I uh, the the time demands for the the writing about minimalism were were continue to increase, and I thought I would pastor for um, for the rest of my life. Um, my grandpa, who we who we mentioned earlier, he uh, he always says, um, if if God called you to be a pastor, don't stoop to be a king. And uh, and that really resonated with me, and it was something that I, I thought I would be in full time vocational ministry for uh, for the rest of my life. But um, at one point, I uh, just kind of realized, hey, you know what? I think God's doing something over here, and and God is calling me to to make a, a different difference in the world, a, a different difference for His kingdom. Um, than than I'm doing in my pastoral role, and it can still be ministry. It can still be reaching people and influencing people, and and hoping moving people away from the things of this world um, towards uh, towards things that that actually matter uh, in the long run. So that was some of the the thinking that I that I had to go through. There was certainly some financial, you know, of leaving a full-time job to uh, start a, a writing career and, and blogging and, you know, where was the money going to yeah. come from? And, yeah. um, 
You know, a, a lot of uh, being pretty confident that this is what God was calling me to do and that, that God was going to provide along the way and uh, setting up a few safety nets along the way, just in terms of being very clear on how much money we actually needed to, to get by and how much money was coming in and how long we could last. And um, yeah, those are some of the, the steps that we took. Mm. It's, it's just so interesting that this whole topic of, of minimalism and just how your traffic just grew and grew and grew. What is it that it, do you think people are so attracted to that topic? Um, because I think deep down, uh, we all know that possessions won't make us happy. Like, I think we know deep in our heart. I, I, I assume I'm never sat across the table from somebody and they said, Hey, my greatest goal in life is to just own as much clutter as I possibly can. Like yeah. we know in our hearts and we know in our souls that, that there's something more important in life than than just buying a bunch of stuff uh the problem is we live in a world that that tells us something very different i mean we see five thousand advertisements mm -hmm. every single day and every single advertisement at its at its core is that you'll be happier if you buy whatever we're selling and i think we just hear that message so many times from people who are so good at it that we uh, we subtly begin to buy into it and we we begin to believe it and suddenly we're living lives where we're always wanting a bigger house and nicer car and newer fashion and latest technology and cooler toys and like that just becomes what we start pursuing um unintentionally i think very unintentionally and so i think mm -hmm. when someone comes along with with a new message that that just reminds us hey you know there's there's actually more fulfillment and more meaning and more joy to be found in owning less and oh. in overcoming that pursuit uh, that it it resonates with people and it rings true in their soul and so i think that's probably um one of the one of the reasons that it uh, grew so quickly mm. and continues to grow yeah oh my goodness i went on your youtube channel and i just started watching the video on um minimizing your wardrobe mm. and i've already cleaned out two drawers <laughs> i'm like i love this because you're right it just even eliminating all of those decisions and things that your brain doesn't need to spend time yeah. focusing on that yeah sometimes it's just it, I, I don't know, just giving people permission or it's just like um just the way you said it right i i watched a couple of videos and I, I went to my drawer and started getting ripped <laughs> like like i knew this i knew this all along i just yeah. needed to be reminded i just needed given permission spark. yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. well um one of the things that you mentioned is how serving others can have such a profound impact and freeing up some of these other things allows you to do that more. Tell us about the correlation you found in your research and experience between serving others and having fewer regrets. Yeah, I'll, so uh, even a quick backstory before we uh, before we get to it. Um, so I, I pastored for 15 years. I, I started this blog. Um, I found a, I didn't start 
blogging as a pastor, if that makes sense. So I wasn't like quoting the book of Galatians or, you know, what Jesus mm -hmm. said in Luke about possessions. I was just like commenting on what was happening in my life and what we were getting rid of and, and what I was learning. And uh, a large number of people were, were attracted to it right away, both faith and non-faith backgrounds. And I was sitting at my kitchen table one evening and I, I thought to myself, um, hey, this message is important to people regardless of what faith they come from. Like Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, Hindu, like it doesn't matter. Like the, the pursuit of possessions distracts us all from, uh, from a, 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 a more, a more meaningful life. And so, um, so I really started writing in a way that was always based on my understanding of the world and, and based on the Bible, but wasn't relying on the Bible to make my points, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of the things that I learned, it was so interesting to me is that, um, the, the the message of the bible like the the message of god is true uh and and you can find it to be true in the world like um i don't need to rely on um what jesus tells us about serving is the the path to joy uh certainly he makes the case and that makes it true but all the studies say the exact same thing. Like it was just interesting how everything the Bible taught to be true. It's like science is always catching up to the Bible. And so <laughs> all these studies are being done and lo and behold, uh, generous people tend to be happier people and people who volunteer and live for others tend to be more satisfied with the life that they live. Um, and so it's just, it's just very interesting. So anyway, um, all that to say, like it, it wasn't hard to, to, to write a book and, um, find all the, find all the studies. Like they all say the same thing that, that the people who, uh, give the people who are generous, the people who volunteer, the people who serve, the people who serve a, a purpose in life bigger than themselves, uh, the people who, who give like these are the people who always reach the end of their lives and report higher levels of satisfaction and fulfillment and meaning and joy in life. And Jesus has been telling us this um, the entire time. And um, lo and behold, the um, studies say the same thing. Go figure. Yes, go figure. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, Joshua, you tell a fascinating story about a trip to Ecuador. Um, can you tell us how this experience changed your perspective on what's meaningful in life? Yeah, it was in the uh, in my in my whole chapter on um, serving and and giving and and looking for happiness outside of ourselves. Um, there's the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of self, and they're both common to us and uh, not necessarily wrong in and of themselves. The problem is when we confuse the two and we start looking for happiness in the pursuit of self. I think this is when we um, uh, uh, find a, 
a counterfeit happiness as opposed to a true lasting happiness. It's when we look for happiness in helping others and serving others and living for others that we that we actually find ourselves. And so um, I was thinking through like how, where did this come from? And, and um, I, I hope this is a part of my life. Like just what are some of the stories that, that led to that? And, and one of the things I discovered is that um, it's one thing to write a check. Uh, it's one thing to read a story about a need that you see in the world. Uh, and it's something very different to actually be there and see the need and experience it yourself. And uh, I tell a story, um, we were on a, a missions trip in Ecuador and we went to this garbage dump um, where hundreds of families live and they, they comb through the, this is just outside Quito, and they comb through the garbage to try to find things that they can recycle for money or things that they can sell and, and make a few dollars. And um, man, it uh, I'll never forget the smell and um, playing with the kids that day and and learning about the the life that that people live. It's just a, a memory that I'll never forget. And it's very different than reading a website or or reading mm -hmm. a book or watching the news like it's it's one thing to to read about poverty it's it's something different to um deliver the food uh to a family um that's living in poverty or to to spend a day with people uh living in poverty it just has a a far more meaningful impact on our lives Yes, absolutely. And my daughter, Ashley, actually was on missions in Ecuador as well through YWAM. And she was talking about how they literally have nothing, but they have so much joy, mm -hmm. especially, you know, just looking at the children. And um, that was a, an amazing experience. And I, I completely agree there. There's something about actually getting out there um, and putting yourself in it that and serving others can bring you there's just nothing that describes it yeah um, yeah and it and it doesn't have to be going to to ecuador you know but it but it yeah. has to be getting outside your your house and and getting outside your your bubble i uh, i interviewed someone for this for the book who um the, he said uh we weren't like a service-oriented family and i don't even know where it where it came from but Every Thanksgiving morning, we delivered a meal to uh, like the people in the poor income areas in our small Ohio town. And he said, I, I don't know, I did it maybe seven or eight times as a kid. I went with my dad like like one hour a year <laughs> for mm -hmm. seven or eight times. And yet it is some of the most lasting memories Aww. of my childhood because you, um, yeah, just I think seeing it, all that to say, you don't have to fly to Ecuador to to see it, uh, you know, but no. uh, I do think that you need to um, get out of your car. Yeah, and absolutely, as parents, I think just what you described is a tremendous way to encourage our children for them to see it in action, because I have a similar memory of my father working in a soup kitchen and just serving others in that way, and 
it teaches you something about what it what's important to your parents and something that you also I think will come along and value well Joshua as we kind of wrap up our talk here I, I just wanted to ask you to share with our audience a little bit about the digital detox mm. that we kind of all need because I think that topic is just you know on the top of everybody's minds and frustrations and challenges and what's good and you know bad and all yeah. the rest of it so yeah yeah we're all navigating this uh, new world uh, aren't we um I'll, I'll yeah two thoughts um two thoughts on technology and and the distraction that it can become uh, uh, number one, I always find it helpful to distinguish between creating and consuming, uh, using technology to create or using technology to consume. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, I'm, I make my living online. We're able to have this conversation because of online. People are listening because of, uh, because of on, you know, because of the internet and, um, uh, I'm certainly active on social media and trying to promote minimalism there. And so like we can use technology to bring about good in the world, or there are times where we just use it to consume. Uh, we're watching videos for entertainment as opposed to personal development or just watching television or scrolling mindlessly on, on social media and or playing games. And I, I think, Noticing the difference, not that there's anything wrong in rest and there's nothing wrong in, you know, some entertainment, um, considering what the choices might be, but um, I want to limit my consumption and use it for good instead. So uh, I can be online uh, trying to be the change that I want to see in the world or just consuming whatever the world is producing. And so... Mm. Uh, I think seeing those two things is is helpful. Um, uh, the other one is I, uh, as I write about in the book, I encourage everyone to to try a, de a digital detox of of some sort in some way, uh, much like you would uh, remove a food or um, remove a habit from your life. Like uh, take take thirty days um, mm -hmm. and. Like just go off Facebook for 30 days or uh, literally I've gone so far as to uh, I only use my phone for phone calls for um, for 40 days. I did that over Lent one year um, and just um, reorient. I think you're. Uh, we try to put these like boundaries in place and like, okay, I'm just not going to get on after 7 p.m. or I'm just going <laughs> to limit it to one, you know, 30 minutes a day or whatever. And those never work for me. I Like I do much better if I'm, I'm going to go a whole month without, without social media, a whole month without playing video games, a whole month without watching television, like, like just put it all away um, for 30 days. And then I think when I come back, I'm always, I, I go back to television, I go back to social media, but it's always in a more mindful, intentional uh, way that that serves me as opposed to me being controlled by it, if, if that mm, makes sense. Absolutely. Yes. That's a great challenge for all of us to, to implement that. 
Well, Joshua, thank you so much for sharing information on your new book. How can people find out more information about you and also the book? Sure. Uh, my website is becomingminimalist.com and um, anything and everything I do uh, flows, flows through there. Uh, the book is called Things That Matter, Overcoming Distraction to Pursue a More Meaningful Life. And it was the number one nonfiction book on Amazon just last weekend. So oh. I don't know when this is going live, but when we're recording it, uh, it was number one on oh. Amazon just last weekend. So pretty, pretty Congratulations. excited about it. Congratulations. That's so awesome. Well, we will also have all of your links in our show notes. Before we go, I just want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool questions. Uh, what is your go-to Bible and what translation is it? Uh, I use the NIV. I use the NIV. And uh, um, when I was younger, I used a Ryrie study Bible, but um, nowadays I just have a, a, a thin line, a thin line Bible that I read. Excellent. Okay. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or techniques that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? Uh, I, um, uh, my blog uh, has always been my, uh, my online journal. I have started, uh, I started about a year ago, I, I write a devotional on Saturday morning, and I, um, I publish it just on Facebook for now. But that's always been my like summary of like the the main thing I've been thinking about uh, that week. I sit down on Saturday morning and write it. So my all that to say, my journaling has always been in public, um, which I don't know if it's good or not, but it's it's always worked. It's always worked for me. It helps me refine my thinking a little bit. Oh, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Okay, so that would be the min Becoming Minimalist Facebook page? Uh, uh, just my personal. Uh, oh, Joshua my Becker. Personal Facebook, yeah. Very good. Okay. Lastly, what is your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? Oh, I uh, I don't have one. Uh, I have a couple of devotionals up on Uversion, and I know that, um, or just the Bible app, I think it's called now. Um mm -hmm. But uh, I, I know my my family likes my family likes using that um, uh, my kids and and my wife I don't I don't have an app that I use for um, for devotionals um, and I forget what was the other part of the question oh, oh the no. other website uh, the other website is uh, I I kind of have some of my favorite authors so there's no website that I go to but I'll I'll search for um, I don't know Calvin's commentary on Ephesians five or um, a few that I have on my shelf as well. That's how I typically do it. Awesome. Well, Joshua, thank you so much for being here today to share your book with us and for the helpful information that you shared that's going to help us stay focused in, on the things in life that really matter. So thank you so much. And for our listeners, pick up a copy of Joshua's book, Things That Matter. You can find the link in our show notes. Also, be sure to head over to our blog where you can share your comments with us on this podcast. I'd like to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. And lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website 
for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.